Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Well, good morning everyone, it's great to see you all here this morning, and uh, from Victoria myself, really a big thank you for, for last weekend, we, we felt really loved by everyone in the way, uh, you know, all the whole service, and also all the work people put in to make the service so special, it really meant a lot to us, and so a, a big thank you. We were also very encouraged by the fact that you all made promises to help uh, with the raising up of, of Naomi, Victoria has already started to do, to create a rotor for you to tell you when you need to come around and do the nappies and so on. So <laughs> we really do thank you for that. Uh, Jenny is now going to come forward and read our Bible readings to us. The first one is from Matthew chapter 5 and verses 33 to 37. And the second is Matthew chapter 23 and verses 16 through to 22. This section's entitled, Oaths. Again you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil man. And the next part is chapter 23. Woe to you, blind guides! You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anybody swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jenny. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can read the Bible and that you speak to us through the Bible. We thank you that in the past you have spoken through prophets, but you spoke supremely through your Son, Jesus. And we thank you that within the Bible we have access to those words. And so we pray that you would speak to us afresh by your Holy Spirit through these words. Amen. I have never had sexual relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. The infamous words of President Bill Clinton, sworn 
under oath. Of course, it wasn't much later that he had to admit that he made a mistake, that he regretted it, and he had to ask for people's forgiveness. But it's not only Bill Clinton that has a problem with being insincere. It seems to be rife amongst all of us. And it's to this topic of sincerity and oaths that Jesus turns to within this section on the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts his teaching with his regular formula. And we read in verse 33 of chapter 5. Again, you have heard that it was, uh, it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, or an alternative translation could be, do not swear falsely, but keep the oath you have made to the law. On this particular occasion, Jesus doesn't actually quote the Old Testament directly, as he has done in every previous section. But rather he gives a summary statement that summarizes the Old Testament's position on taking oaths. So, for example, if we were to go back to the third commandment of the Ten Commandments and read in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7, it says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. The way you misuse God's name is to make a vow, an oath, in God's name and then not fulfill it. It is to say, I will do something, I swear in God's name and then not do it. Or to say, I swear in God's name, this is the truth, but actually it's false. That is to misuse God's name. And the intention of the law is that people would be honest, that they would have integrity, that they would not break a vow or a promise. Similarly, in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 12, the law says, Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. And again, the intention is clear. Don't break a vow. Be a person of integrity. Now, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, as a safeguard to ensure that they would not profane the name of God, would never use God's name when making a vow, when they made an oath. They would make it, they would use a substitute word, another word that would represent God. So they would say, I swear by the throne of God. Or, I swear by the gold in the temple. And this would represent God. This was a safeguard in case they were accidentally lying. Or, if they never actually got around to fulfill their... Well, it sounds okay now. Is the, is the mic part? Okay. Well, we'll hopefully we'll survive. <laughs> Anyhow, so to safeguard themselves about not using God's name in vain, they would use these substitute words. Then, if they didn't fulfill their vow, 
it wouldn't be so bad because they hadn't actually used God's name. You see how hypocritical that is. But it gets that they have even more ingenious cop-outs. Because the Lord prevented them from using God's name in vain, they said, it's okay to swear by another name and not fulfill it. The law only prevents me from swearing in God's name and not fulfilling it. So if I was to swear in my father's name or my mother's name, then I'm not bound. Because the law says, don't misuse the name of God. It doesn't say, don't misuse the name of my mother or my father. And so they took an over-literalistic interpretation as an opt-out. And then, because they would never use God's name, they would use these substitute words to represent God, there was a loophole. Because it was very arbitrary which words represented God and which words didn't. And they decided. They made their own rules. So they would say, well, if you swear by the goal of a temple, that represents God, and then you're bound to your oath. But if you swore by the temple, that doesn't represent God, then you're not. So if you swore by heaven, that doesn't represent God, you're not bound. But if you swore by the throne of God, then you're bound. If you swore by the altar of the temple, you're not bound. But if you swore by the gift on the altar, then you're bound. That's what Matthew chapter 23 was all about. And you can see how, you know, how they, they're misusing the law altogether. And I can just imagine the situation where you have a disgruntled customer coming to the salesman and saying, you swore that this camel was the best camel this side of the Nile? You swore that this camel had at least 10 years left in it. It didn't even make it to the Jordan River before it died. And you swore that if it died before the 10 years, you would give me two camels. To which the salesperson replies, ah, but I swore by the temple that this camel would live for 10 years. I didn't swear by the gold of the temple. And I swore by heaven, not by the throne of God, that, this, that I would give you two camels if this one died. I'm not bound by that oath. And you can see how they've taken the very law that was intended to ensure that you always spoke the truth and didn't break a vow as a loophole, as a cop-out, so that they could actually break vows and be dishonest. It's kind of childish in some ways. It's like a child in a playground area making a promise and then adding the vow, the, the oath, I cross my heart and hope to die only later to reveal that they had their fingers crossed behind their backs. A common device that means, apparently means you don't have to keep your promise. We shouldn't be too quick to laugh at the Pharisees and laugh at children because most people grow up with their fingers crossed permanently behind their backs. And we have all kinds of cop-out devices, all kinds of fingers crossed behind our backs devices so we don't have to be true to our word. The fine print in the contracts. Why do people break their promises? Well, sometimes after we've made a promise, our mood changes. 
circumstance change. And all of a sudden it becomes inconvenience. An inconvenience to fulfill the promise. At other times, it's simply because we're dishonest. Probably a better question is, why do people make oaths? Is it not to persuade people that you're telling the truth? Is it not to persuade people to do what you want to do? I swear by God to add weight to your argument, to help override the other person's judgment. It's just a form of getting your own way. It's called manipulation at best, or blatant deceit at worst. And therefore, Jesus says, In verse 34, But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. So firstly, what Jesus is saying is that these distinctions, when you're making a vow, these distinctions between, for example, heaven and the throne of God, are completely artificial and meaningless. Because God is present everywhere. And therefore, God is involved in every promise and every vow you make, irrespective of if you used God's name or not. Even if you swear by your own head, God is involved because God created your head and God still has control over your head. You can't change the natural color of your hair. Secondly, because the whole vows become meaningless because God is involved in every vow, every promise that you make, and because the whole oath-taking system had become corrupt, a form of loopholes to actually be dishonest, a device of having your fingers crossed behind your back. Jesus says in verse 34, but I tell you, do not swear at all. He forbids taking oath altogether. Now, Jesus isn't abolishing the Old Testament laws. He's actually fulfilling their original intention. Their intention was that you would speak the truth, that you would be a person of integrity, that you would not break any promise. And therefore, he says in verse 34, I tell you, do not swear at all. And in verse 37, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. If we are followers of Jesus, we need to tell the truth everywhere and on every occasion. We can never break our promise. No one should ever say, oh, I want you to swear an oath on that, because they should know that you are a person of your word, that you are a person of integrity, and your yes is yes, and your no is no. 
Now, some Christians have taken these verses to imply that we should never, as a Christian, swear an oath in a court of law. That would be to take Jesus way too literally and to miss his whole point. Jesus actually answers, responds in his own trial under oath. So if we look in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 63, the high priest says, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus responds, yes, it is as you say. So Jesus is not talking against an occasion where you are in court having to give, swear an oath. Jesus' intention is to say that you should always be telling the truth. That you should always fulfill your promises. That you won't ever need to say an oath. That no one would ever look at you and say, oh, you need to say an oath because they know you are a person of integrity. He's not trying to forbid you from swearing an oath in a court of law when an external authority is forcing you to do so. Now, we don't live in an oral society like Jesus did. We live in a far more literary society. And therefore, oaths don't play a prominent role within our society as they did within Jesus' society. Legal documents and contracts have superseded most oaths. But the principle still remains. Are you a person of integrity or do you swear falsely? When you have signed a contract to do something and then later discover that the circumstances have changed and it's no longer profitable for you, do you look for loopholes in the fine print to get out of it? When you've agreed to do something and people have acted in good faith that you would do it, and then later you realize the circumstances have changed, do you suddenly say, well, I haven't signed a contract? Is that your opt-out? Is that your fingers crossed behind your back? Or are you a person of your word? You see, we as followers of Jesus should be known as people who don't even need to sign a contract because our word is our bond. Within Jesus' society, oaths were being used as a form of verbal manipulation to get their own way. Kind of like a salesman's song and dance in order to create a more favorable atmosphere to persuade, to manipulate people to buy their product. False promises and facts about a product to make a product seem more attractive than it really is. Or a politician's spin who utters these Attractive-sounding yeses that are actually no yes at all. Are you economical with the truth? Do you say half-truths in order to get your own way? 
Or are you a person of integrity? And your yes is yes. And your no is no. For as followers of Jesus, we need to say what we mean and mean what we say. There's a story of a clerk who used to work in a department store and one day the phone rang and it was for the owner. He told the owner that the call was for him but the owner said, tell them I'm not here. The clerk passed him the phone and said, you tell him you're not here. The owner took the call but was furious with his clerk. Later the clerk said, if I can lie for you, I can lie to you. From that time on, the owner had the highest regard and the uttermost trust in his clerk. We as followers of Jesus are called to be different from the world around us. We are called to be people of integrity. That our yes is yes and our no is no. We should be true to our word even when it costs us. We should be known as people who don't need to sign a contract, that the contract is just a formality, but the person actually knows you don't need to sign it because you are a person of your word. We need to say what we mean and mean what we say. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, won't you free us from any desire to be deceitful? Won't you help us by your Holy Spirit to be the people of integrity that you called us to be? And as we reflect on the the Pharisees, we see how it's almost part of human nature to look for loopholes, to find the various fingers crossed behind the back devices just in case circumstances change. Father, won't you forgive us for that? Father, at other times we're so desperate to have our own way that we would be economical with the truth. Perhaps even saying half-truths. Father, won't you forgive us? And won't you purify us by your Holy Spirit? Won't you create within us a pure heart of integrity? Even if it is costly. Even if it means we don't get our own way. Help us to be true to our word. Help us to say what we mean. And mean what we say. Amen.